Welcome to Highly Functioning, a show about discovering, understanding, and optimizing the brain from a non-neurotypical lens. On this week's episode of Highly Functioning, we talk about my personal journey on how I've come to discover that I might potentially have Asperger's and the personal experiences that I've had throughout my life and how they started to click once I found out that that might be the case. We also talked about how we develop methods to cope, pros and cons of having Asperger's, including how you act in social situations and concepts such as masking. And we generally had a great conversation that was lighthearted and fun. We are really excited for you to hear it. So last time we talked about why I thought I had Asperger's, and now we're going to dive into your story, Winston. Uh, So why don't we just start wherever you start and uh, we'll go from there. So um, I guess this is a quite quite a bit of a, a not a convoluted story, but a, a story that has multiple different parts that don't necessarily um, that I, I don't know if I've pieced together perfectly just yet. But I guess I'll go I'll riff a little bit, and if it uh, if if you find any direction where you're like I might be going off the rails, like absolutely let me know. Okay. But uh, for me personally, I find that like I was brought up to the idea of potentially having um, Asperger's quite recently um, from you when you mentioned that it was a specific, it's a trait that you had. And I've heard about Asperger's before, but to be quite honest, like um, especially coming from a uh, a South Asian family, talking anything about mental health is sort of prohibited and anybody having uh, any sort of mental health issue, whether it be depression, anxiety, whatever it is, is automatically almost labeled as kind of crazy. And so you almost have to hide all of those things in and like keep it, keep it to yourself. So I always just um, chose not to sort of talk about it. But um, me personally, one of the things that I think really started to point me in the direction of Asperger's is uh, once I started to talk to a different, uh, talk to multiple different people who will um, knowing now have Asperger's like symptoms that allow us to have um, some pretty like high conceptual conversations because of our ability to sort of um, like, and we talked about thinking visually, but uh, being able to almost like create a picture in our minds of how things uh, integrate with each other and how things connect and almost hold that in our head and have a conversation about one thing. And then after, after figuring that out, be like, okay, that's been checked off. Let's move to the second part of this framework. And so um, the people that that I've been able to have a conversation with in that way, I found to have those Asperger's like symptoms and when I and one of the ways in which I finally like sort of understood that it might potentially be um, something that is that I'm almost I wouldn't say diagnosed with but I guess born with is when I started looking at the symptoms that was um, that's quite common among them and then it was this weird feeling where it sort of clicked all of these like weird experiences that I've had as a kid as a as a like a, a like a teenager growing up and then all of a sudden, it just like starts rushing, pouring in, be like, oh, wait, that makes sense. That makes sense. And of course, I'll go into it, which is like I had a lot of the um, characteristics that you would mentioned um, of like repetitive behaviors where I used to like when I would sit down, I would like hit my head on the hit my head on the wall and like bang my head on the wall and not like hard and like a sort of comedic way. But it was almost like sort of um, sort Rhythmic. of calming for me to. Yeah. Rhythmic for, and calming for me to go ahead and do that, as well as things like rocking or. Whenever I got really excited, it used to be a funny thing that like it never, it never dawned on me that this was a symptom was that whenever I would do something mischievous or like that, um, 
that would become sort of like high anxiety, I guess, because of like the fear of getting caught, I would jump up and down. And like, I would have no idea that I was doing it. But then I used to be a huge joke in my family, how you would always know when I would did something mischievous, because I'd just be around the house jumping up and down. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> so it was always kind of funny. But the biggest thing that I found to be um, like, uh, to almost confirming is when I actually spent a lot of time like reading through forms of people that had Asperger's. And I found a lot that I had in common with them. And the first thing I did is I went to my girlfriend. I was like, hey, I need you to read this and tell me if this sounds, if this sounds like me. And she's like, you know what? Like, I think you might be like, I don't know. Is this your brand new topic that you sort of dived into that uh, you think you have? And she read it and she's like, oh, shit. Like, I actually think this might be you. And it makes sense to as to why we have like a lot of the problems that we might have had in our relationship is because of this thing. And I know I'm going in multiple different directions, but I guess to circle back just a little bit, um, one of the things that I've noticed is that I have a, I have a difficulty in terms of understanding people um, like it, emotionally per se. Mm -hmm. And I'm not 100% sure if that has to come with the way that I've grew up or it just has to do with the fact that I'm not, I have um, very high empathy, but not really an understanding of how that manifests in people's emotions. So there's a, there's a common, there's a, there's a funny thing that I read online about how uh, people with Asperger's are really good with animals because they have such high empathy and they're able to do that in nonverbal fashion. But when it comes to like people having an emotional, like uh, an, an emotional issue or they have, they they feel like crying or things like that. I sort of freeze up cause I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And that connects perfectly to one of the things that I've noticed, which is that I'm very good at um, like I was always socially awkward as a, as a kid. Like I, I uh, had trouble making, like I make friends, but most of my friends were either older people like parents and stuff like that. Or um, I found that it, it was difficult for me to make friends with like, like talk to girls, talk to close friends of mine. And like I get picked on things like that. Mm-hmm. And the way in which I learned how to cope was that I'd be very, very observant of the people that were cool around me. And so I could just take those behaviors and, re- and realize like, okay, if this happens, if I act this way, it's cool. Right. So I'll just, I'll just copy what they're doing. And I, I remember in, it was in eighth grade where it finally clicked, where I'd gotten enough data points that I knew how to, I had to act to become like a, a kid that was like sort of popular. Mm-hmm. So there's this weird shift that you would see. Like if you ever talk to some of my friends um, who knew me when I was, uh, who knew me when I was younger, was that between grade nine, which, between grade eight and grade nine, it was this fundamental shift of who I was. I went from a person that like people didn't really like or like didn't really talk to, to someone who was like the like the social animal because I just understood what needed to be done in a specific scenario. And um, I, I want to extrapolate a little bit on that uh, well, before you I ask jump? it. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, go no, continue your extrapolation. Um, and this one was this is what some of the coolest things that I found, which was that. Um, I found that if I'm put in a situation where I've never ever seen or have been privy to how people are supposed to act, whether it be um, like the perfect example I can think about is like, I I might be able to watch a movie. I may be able to like observe at like a networking night or, or uh, like a specific like environment that you're in. I can look and see what's right, what's, what's right, what's not right, be able to emulate that behavior. But when I'm put in a scenario where I've never ever seen that happen before, know how to act, I sort of freeze up and go back to my sort of awkward self. And I remember specifically, I was in the, I was in the car with a, with a, with a, 
with one of the, the people that are respected. They were just taking me for like the classic like ride along of like their nice car. I never ever known what to do in this situation. So I'm just sitting there tapping my hands, not knowing what to do. Like, do I talk? Do I move? Do I say and you're something? thinking the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> the entire time it's going through a scenario analysis. Like if I say this, it's going to look stupid. If I say this, it might look cool, but that in itself might look stupid. So the whole time I'm just sitting there not saying anything because I'm so in my head and so mm -hmm. cerebral about it. And the biggest place in which I saw, which, which sort of, um, and I know I'm going on a long riff here, but um, nice. the, the biggest place in which I saw that it was super, um, where, where, where it became super clear to me was because I was very successful in school with, with, with competitions. And specifically, there's a competition that I used to do that I with, uh, which were sales competitions. And in that, you had to go in and you had to sit down and like walk through like a sales interview and you had to go through like conversation. You have to act through like you basically have to take someone from someone who was not a not a not a potential buyer at first, but identify their problem and then come up with a solution. And generally speaking, people with Asperger's wouldn't necessarily do well in a completely brand new social situation. But I found that those competitions were essentially a set of steps that you had to follow. And there wasn't enough yeah. ambigu ambiguity that they could add in that competition without like actual context, because you had to like, there, there's a certain amount that you can sort of just like, uh, I don't want to say BS, but you can sort of yeah. like, uh, like, yes. like make up along the way. Yeah. Um, and so in my head, I would just have a checklist of going, I know exactly what I have to do because I can already see what that conversation is going to look like. Right. And so I would do amazing because um, because like I, I essentially had to just go through a specific process. It was perfectly structured and everything. And beforehand, before the actual competition started, I could visualize and scenario every single thing that would happen. So it was just me like almost opening up a rule book and saying, if this, then that, and right. it became super easy for me to win. But you'll find that sometimes when I get out of that scenario and I'm just having a conversation with someone who I don't know very well, I might be socially awkward because I, I can't quite scenario analysis the way that you work. Right. So that's, you, there's a lot there. I'll try and, <laughs> I'll, I'll try and capture the, the few essentials as well. But one thing I want to highlight is I think your associational thinking and everything you covered, it all made sense to me and flowed kind of pretty well to me. And I would assume to a lot of people, it didn't. And I'm not putting you down by any means. I think it's, that's the thought process. Right? I think that kind of associational um, moving forward, that is the way to think clearly to me and to you, but not to many people. Um, so I think that's just really interesting. Um, so if people are listening and, and resonating with the thought process itself, that's an interesting point as well. Um, two things I want to highlight uh, of my own just pure interest is you mentioned both the emotional thing, right? Not really understanding the emotions. And also you mentioned um, about the like always thinking, right? And I, I hope through this podcast to get to, to be able to train you to do both. To be able to actually first principles understand how to understand other people's emotions because there are principles at play that no one teaches anyone. And same thing with not thinking. So that's just teaser to you, Winston, and to listeners that I actually think I can train people to do these things because I figured it out on my own in the manner Winston was saying, um, but, but without making it about me. So shifting back, <laughs> um, one thing that 
Two things that I want to ask more detail about because I think they're really important and we didn't cover them. They really resonate with me and so I assume they will with others and we didn't cover them uh, yet in detail. One is being on that forum and really seeing that there's people like you, right? And, and really say, because there's, it's like I didn't know I was different for certain, but I knew I was different in some way. And then to read and see, oh, wow, this is a connection. It really is impactful, I think. It's really, and, and people, like someone tries to, someone asks like, well, how do you know? Like, why does it matter, right? And I think you see it in many realms, but there is something to be said. It's an emotional thing, right? It's, it's more, it's not like, oh, here are the boxes. Here are the reasons why. But it's like, oh, wow, there's someone relatable. So I want to ask more information about that. And also, so let's start there and then I'll ask the second question, actually. If you can get a bit more into what that was like and, and I mean, yeah, let's go from there. So for me, I found it to be like, it was, a, it was, a, it was an incredibly happy moment for me, uh, mainly because I like, I guess growing up, you would always think, oh, like, I just think differently and I guess everybody thinks differently and you sort of, and you find out as more and more situations that you find that you put yourselves in that um, there's things that like I would sort of highlight that wouldn't make sense to me um, logically. And I guess to be a little bit more pointed, like you said, not so associational, I find that it's very easy for me to go detail, like very, very detail oriented where someone would say something and then I'd automatically be like, wait, like this social convention makes zero sense. Or like the idea that you just said falls apart like when you do first and second level analysis because you haven't thought about it. It's sort of like this high level concept that you just said that you just like most people just nod and agree with. And so I'll find that like if you talk to a lot of my friends, they'll call me like like a contrarian or like a devil's advocate because uh, sometimes it's I, I very much love to agree with things. Uh, but I also find that there's like it's very nice to like even in my own head, I'll play devil's advocate to understand what's true and what's not true. And I, I always like preface whenever I have these like long-winded conversations, like, like stop me if I'm going too far in depth with it because I'm really trying to get it at the most like minuscule level so that everything else makes sense for me. And uh, it's funny that like um, in, the, in, in the role that I work, it's a lot of it's like, it's an art, not a science. And I find that sometimes that's used not necessarily in its true form when with artistic versus scientific, it's more as a way to be like, Hey, like, don't, don't spend too much time analyzing this. Cause like, I know this doesn't really work out, but it's enough to sort of get, sort of get us there. And that's mm -hmm. very difficult for me um, to be able to like, to be able to just let that go. Um, and I guess to, to, I'm also doing this associational thing again, but no, it's to, no worries. To, One to, thing I'll <laughs> add that might help get it a little, not that it's a problem, right? I think this is about us understanding our communication styles as well. And, and yeah, so I don't mean to, you know, uh, I don't know the word, but yeah, I don't mean to insult, let's say. Um, but it, when I was seeing therapy for the first time, uh, you know, I kept being told everyone thinks differently. Everyone has like a different way of thinking. And I was like, yeah, but I know I'm more different from average than they are from each other. Right. Like I can see how they relate to each other and how I don't. And so there's this idea that's also kind of difficult in mental health because, yeah, when you're depressed, everyone feels like that. 
but there are objective facts about the situation too. And I do think like it was noticeable to me rationally that no, no, these groups of people, they all interact with each other and get each other much more than I get them. Right. So it's like, yeah, everyone's a unique flower. Everyone's different, but also some people are more different. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I found that like the reason why that was really like, um, I guess to answer in a more pointed fashion for, uh, to me, to be able to read some of those people who have similar, I guess, quirks as I do, um, it allows me to know that like, okay, there's not something, I'm not just completely like crazy and I'm not just going in like the complete wrong direction or is there just something that like someone else has figured out that I'm too immature to understand yet. Um, and mm. so it allowed me to be like, okay. And, and I, I'm, I'm very happy with the fact that because although I think it, we're very early on in being able to understand it, I think it's nice to see that a lot, a lot more people are accepting of it and don't mm. necessarily think of it as like, a huge almost like a like a disorder per se they almost look at it as hey like there's certain things that i might not necessarily be as good at but like if you want to look at a process and be able to break down where it works and where it doesn't work like it's just it's night and day how easy it is for me to look at something and just oh sorry hello no worries yeah Sorry about that. Um, it, it's night and day for me to look at things and like automatically I can look at something and be like, something just doesn't fit here. Right. Oh, Lord. And it's, what's going Sorry on? Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Uh, just notifications. Go ahead. Um, yeah. And so it's really interesting because I'm trying to, like, I'm really interested in philosophy as well and the intersection and the, yeah, what you say about like literally your mind knows immediately if something integrates or not. Uh, People literally don't believe me, right? right? That when I say it's an automatic thing that my, I, don't, my, I don't think about, I get the answer, whether or not it integrates right away. Um, and speaking about process, I want this was the other major thing I want to ask a bit more about because you and I are extremely well put together. We're extremely eloquent. It is not the idea that people have of Asperger's, right? And also, I think that was true even at a young age. And for me, it was very much in line with what you said. It was data, right? I looked at the data, how should I behave? And at some point it clicked into place and I decided to subjugate my real self. And I'm still tracing back when I made that improper decision because it really caused me damage in my mental health. But really like I was so well put together. I could, you know, I could act in the proper manner. I could socialize in the appropriate manner, but that's literally how I thought about it. Right. I wasn't living my life. I was acting appropriately. And, you know, that was, uh, you know, it was particularly easy when I was a partier. It's like pretty simple principles that play how to party properly. <laughs> right. But it was very much that. And so I want to ask about the social aspect of it. And also if, if you are able to, or want to talk about it a bit more broadly, because for me, this comes to, I think the fundamental structure of our brains being different because it's really from as long as I can remember, everything was a conscious choice. I didn't just do something, I, I understood and decided to do something, right? Um, and so again, heavily for a social setting as well. Um, and you know, people took, people were uh, surprised by the things I would kind of think out loud and decide to do differently. Because for them, they would, they would have never thought of this one way or the other, and especially not have had like two conflicting conclusions, right? But everything for me, especially social things were, no, 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 like what is the formula at play? And that's why 
you know, before I get your answer, that's also why I think it's so interesting and important what we're doing is because you and I, like sociologically speaking, we've developed principles. We understand what principles are at play to lead a good life. I came to, to the same conclusion as Donald Trump. I was a Donald Trump character until I was 24 because that's what I thought was good in society. All right. And you came to a different conclusion. I'm glad. Um, but it's but so, the, sorry, wait, wait, so the last thing <laughs> is, so I think sociologically, that's really interesting. And personally, again, what I'll, I'll, I'll tease to you and to listeners as well is that I've also been dedicated to figuring out the principles of emotion, of compassion, right? What really clicked into place for me of the key principle of how to live a good life is compassion and mindfulness. And what are the actual principles to get your mind to stop, to actually get your mind to want to stop and these sorts of things. So, but it's, again, it's all from a first principles and, and making those decisions. But I'm really interested if you can talk a bit more about, cause I just riffed for a little bit, but if you can talk more about, um, what that process was actually like and how, you know, it was interesting that there was a, you said there was a distinct moment when it shifted because you had enough data to come to conclusions. And I think the more intelligent Aspies, let's say, um, actually can fully look and function normal, but it's because they've decided to do that. They've decided to fit in that way because they understand the principles and some decide it's not worth it and some decide it's worth it. And, I think that um, one of the one of the the the, the ideas that I was listening uh, or listening to and, and and reading about is the idea of like putting on a mask per se, and you'll find that a lot of like Aspies have that, or people with autism in general have that um, have that need to do have that find that they need to do that, in that, especially in social circumstances when you're at work or when you're at at a party per se. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, generally, like one of the things that I found very easy for me to, to your point is that it was easy for me to look at something and automatically be like, this is a choice. And I have three possible choices here and I have to decide which one of these three choices I have to make. And like, I'll do like a cost benefit analysis in my head of like, which one do I want? Which one do I, do I not want? Even from and, a young age, right? Even from a young age, it was always mm -hmm. that case. And so like, I was, I always, I guess, matured a little bit earlier by, by, I guess, society standards, because I was able to do that. Yeah. And uh, until recently, um, I used to always criticize others weren't able to do that because I thought like I thought I was normal so I was like that was or I didn't think I was normal but I was hoping that I was normal and that if, normal, right. if, if I am normal then this is what you should be able to do and I used to criticize yeah. people being like hey like did did you not see that there was these three choices here and you didn't make you didn't even think about these two choices you just decided to go out on a whim and so I would find that I was like I would I'd be critical of people who just live by the seat of their pants because to me it's just like you don't understand the choices available to you and um and to the point that you were talking about with data, which is, I found that for me, it was, um, let, me, let me think about a way to put this, is that once I was able to, like, and I'll say this in terms of pros and cons, which is, it's, it's incredibly helpful in scenarios where they're very structured. So like in a business context where, um, you're networking or you have a business meeting or you have uh, like a, a coffee chat that you have to go on. It, it's very simple for you to break down what are the do's and don'ts of this, of this interaction. And so I found that to be very easy and people would look and be like, wow, like how do you do this so well? 
But when you get to a, a very much more emotional conversation, it becomes very, uh, it becomes very difficult because they're so, um, it's so dependent on the person. And there's not that like strict way that like, I guess the business world has put on you on how you should act and not act in business. And so I find that the pro is that it helps you in those contexts and me being in business, it was very helpful. But where it starts to fall apart is that sometimes people will look at you as two different people or like three different people, depending on the context. And that's where like, I potentially thought I had like multiple personality disorder because I found that like I was a different person when I was at work and different person when I was at school, different person when I was a different set of friends. And to a certain extent that is true. Yeah. But I found that like I would be so different because I just put on a different character. And you when I had two different, different people formula, I'd say you were right. Like this is the formula I run at work. This is how you work. This is the formula I run in social situations. This is how you social. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and I find that like when you have two people that cross over, you're just like, oh shit. Like I, how do I compute this together? Literally. <laughs> I, yeah. If I may. <laughs> literally this resonates like so much with me. I was just thinking about this because, you know, the worst was a female friend because it's like, which formula do I run trying to pick up or trying to be friends? These are very different approaches. What do I run? And I'd have like terrible anxiety attacks because I literally couldn't decide which formula to run. And people don't understand that. Like, I think this is really getting to the crux of what people will, won't understand if they've not experienced this. It's not that I could just be in a situation. It's literally, I had to know what situation am I in so I can act accordingly, every situation. Um, so I, that, that just really resonates with me. And the funny thing is I find that I'd be like, whenever I was asked to like, hey, like there's this event that's happening, I would be very meticulous in asking like, okay, what time does it start? What time does it end? What do you wear? What do you bring? What is all the like conventions? And like, yeah. I, remember, I remember like the first party that I went to in high school. They're like, hey, it's seven o'clock. And I was like, all right, seven o'clock means seven o'clock. Right. So I get there and nothing is set up. And I'm like, shit, this is not what they told me. The invite yeah. did not say this. Yeah. Uh, and it was just like this awkward situation to be in where I was just too early. And then at 11 o'clock, I'm like, shit, like I said that I would go home, but like the party starts at 11. So I had to like figure out that like whole, whole, uh, whole issue. Uh, right. But like, it's a good thing to, I think this is a good thing to tease about in the future, which is like, I think um, alcohol or like drugs does change your ability to do that do that because you can quiet down that that side of your brain yeah um but i think if we, if we open up that pandora's box there'd be another hour worth of conversation yeah so i mean this these two conversations we've had about you and i um really excites me for everything we have to explore and i really think uh there's so between your and my self-understanding and the work we're doing outside of the podcast as well, we're really going to make a lot of ground cover. It's, it's really going to be beneficial to both of us and all of our, our listeners. One thing I'll tease as well for you and for the listeners is that I totally get the idea that like in these, in the more emotional situations, like what formula do you run in? And, and, and even in like the, the, you know, boundary scenarios, which formulas do we run? And I've obsessed over that. And the thing is, I've become obsessed with philosophy because it's the more abstract rule set, literally, right? It's literally what are the fundamental principles of not how to, uh, how to compute this situation, but how to be in these, in like generally speaking. So it's literally like a t completely internally focused rule set 
of just how do I, how should I be with myself? And then how should I put that thing in different situations? Um, and in particular, what's really interesting is the emotional stuff because I was just talking to a friend earlier today and she, uh, she put forward that almost no one actually understands the first principles of how to be emotional with someone. We've talked about it a bit in the past before, but actually grounding yourself because that's what's really needed if someone's in a mental health crisis, if someone really just needs someone there. And there are principles that play. They're difficult and I've not read them anywhere. I've read them you know, piecemeal. But um, so there are, the thing that's really cool is there are principles, right? This isn't more difficult to solve than calculus, but just people haven't actually looked at it properly and systematically. And I think you and I really can do that, uh, which is really interesting. And, and I think it's cool that you say that because um, like we talked a lot about like rules or like paradigms of behavior that you think about. And I think part of the reason you might be, <laughs> you might be very interested in philosophy is you can basically set, you set up a rule set for yourself that you could follow at all times, regardless of the scenario. So it just makes, I guess, living a lot easier as someone, someone with Asperger's. Um, well, but the one the, thing that, oh, sorry, the, I'll uh, interrupt. Uh, the one thing that is really interesting is at least objectivism, the philosophy I find uh, really interesting. It argues that everyone has that. I think people with Asperger's have just made those decisions much more consciously, but every decision we've made, people have not made, but made subconsciously, right? All of the formulas, how do I act in these situations? The only, the main difference is we've made them all consciously and most people don't. Because they have, you know, how do I treat my friends? They think that way. They just don't, they just didn't think it out properly. They didn't, because it's just, there's norms, there's social norms, and they learn as they go. And so the whole idea is that everyone does have a philosophy. And I just think we're more apt and able potentially to really understand it and understand the applications because we've designed so much of our life consciously. Mm -hmm. I agree. And, um, uh... The one, I guess, last disclaimer that I'll say is that, um, look, I'm not 100% sure if Asperger's is the, um, is the like, uh, diagnosis that I have, because I haven't gone and gone ahead and got the diagnosis for two reasons. One, it's COVID. Uh, there's not that many centers open up to do it. Two, it's incredibly expensive. Um, and, and three, it's that, um, like, I, I'm still, like, doing a lot of introspection to figure out if that's actually the case for me. But I found that there's a lot of similarities that I, that I found and um, found between Asperger's and myself. And, but as this podcast progresses, I think I'll go through some of the stuff that I find doesn't fully align with me. And just to give a quick idea, um, one of the things, and I don't know if it aligns or not, and I'd love to get like an expert on the show to be able to validate that, which is ever since I was a kid, um, major thing that I wanted to be was a, a renaissance man and that was the idea of like knowing a little bit about everything because I was like part of me is like if I have more data points that means I just know how to live a lot better and I can basically fit in in every conversation because I know and can like be able to um, be able to conversate that way and that mm. might come from like a certain level of like uh, self-consciousness self-consciousness I don't know if that's a word but mm. um, of, of wanting to be able to fit in but I find that there's literally like a gripe between um, between myself and my friends where they say fun facts at Winston where like I just like I'll yeah. randomly get into this one topic and I'll be stuck in that topic for like a week or I have to like read everything I can possibly 
possibly do to grasp as much information as possible. And once I feel like I've gotten to enough of a level that I'm happy with, I'll find something else to go ahead and do, do the same. And so that, for that reason, I'll have so many facts and stuff put in my head. So I'll have the memory to go ahead and do so. And that doesn't fit so cleanly with Asperger's because people with Asperger's should um, often are able to call upon facts very, very easily um, with their memory. However, most of the time they have a very singular interest or singular one or two interests mm -hmm. uh, or like special interests per se that they, they fall into. Whereas I find myself having multiple special interests that I, ha that I change upon um, quite, quite frequently. And so like, I think it's also important to note to the, to the viewers that like, it's not 100% uh, set in stone. And I think there's going to be places in which you have variation. And I think mm -hmm. that's okay. And I think as we, as we continue, we'll sort of figure out where it fits and where it doesn't fit. Because I don't think anybody's like a cookie cutter approach of what Asperger's should look like. Right. And I think it's important to highlight that even from our conversations, you and I don't fit it the same way, right? Like we both have enough that we think we meet some threshold in our own judgments, but it's definitely not the same. And it'll be really interesting to explore our differences. And one thing I'll pose to you um, on this last thing you mentioned is what if you're interested in being interested? What if that's the thing you're particularly hyper interested in? So what do you mean by interested in terms of being interested? Like you so just want you to be... really are interested in the process of learning things. So that's the thing you're singularly obsessed with. Uh, whereas the average Aspie is it obsessed with one thing. What if you're obsessed with the obsession? So you're basically saying there's not a single job out there on the planet that could possibly satisfy my thirst for knowledge. There's not one for me. <laughs> that's why. I'm gonna, okay. That's true. Uh, yeah. Create your own. All right. Well, I really appreciate you sharing your story with me and everyone as well, Winston. I hope that was insightful for people. Uh, please share your stories as well. Again, we're really interested in building a community around this and really connecting, uh, you know, both ourselves and all of you with, uh, similar minded, similar thinking people. So like us on Facebook, follow us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast and write a comment and uh, be sure to tune in next time. And if I can add one more thing uh, is that if there's something that you find that you sort of align with, or you feel like it hasn't spent, we haven't spent enough time going, going down into that could possibly be an episode. So absolutely make that uh, make that known because that there's so much like the mind is a massive vast ocean there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of time and a lot of effort that could be used towards like diving deeper into that specific topic and as we mentioned in the last episode which you should check out if you didn't we just have giant spotlights that we don't know where to point so any recommendations <laughs> would be greatly appreciated and i don't mean to always have to i don't always have to finish winston but i did think that was worth adding